Hi everyone, this is Martin Willis with the Antique Auction Forum. Episode 103 today with artist Kyle Polson. A couple of announcements. You can listen to us on your smartphone with Stitcher.com. We have a free app right on our website. You can listen to us on iTunes, and we would appreciate if you would leave us a review. That'll help our ratings on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash auction underscore podcast. You can like us on our Facebook page. That icon is right on our website, antiqueauctionforum.com. Today's guest is a wonderful artist, does uh, amazing work. It's called Romantic Realism. We'll have a couple of images up on our site, and feel free to check out his website as well. A very nice guest, and he's a listener of the show, Kyle Polson. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. So I have Kyle on the line now. How are you doing, Kyle? Oh, I'm doing good. It's good to be on the show. And where are we calling you at? You're in Texas, right? I'm in Texas, in Austin. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, i got to say, um, I'm going to start right off the bat by saying something maybe a little corny, but I showed your website to a, a friend of mine, a, a woman, the other day, and the first thing, she's looking at your, your paintings, and the first thing she says to me is, he married. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why do you say that? She goes, these paintings are just amazing, and they're so romantic. She was looking at your flower paintings. Right. And, and when you, you and I emailed back and forth, I asked you if you did photorealism, and you said it's more like romantic realism. Can right, you, uh, right. and, and obviously that works. <laughs> well, it, it seems to, to fit it better, you know, and, and I just, I think the lighting has, says a lot of it. Um, you know, when, when I think photorealism, sometimes it's a little harsh, sometimes the lighting's a little bit, you know, too crisp or too, too flat of lighting, and, and I think, you know, when you can really showcase something by, you know, kind of keeping the lighting simple or all, just a warm cross light on it, it just somehow romanticizes it a little bit, you know? So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I got that from, I guess. Yeah. Your work shows an extreme amount of talent. Um, when did you begin painting? I, I guess I, you know, I started um, around the mid-'90s painting. I actually, uh, once I got into college, I, I picked up a paintbrush, you know, and actually started painting with, you know, with oils, but um, but I guess it's probably been about 12 years ago that I really started seriously painting. Mm-hmm. And in fact, 2000 is when I made um, made the transition into painting full time. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I'm 38 now, so it's been about 12 years ago. Yeah, was that a difficult jump to make, or was your heart really into it? Oh, it was really into it, and I'd been doing it as a hobby up until that point, you know, and. It, you know, going going way back, um, I've always I, I kind of had that identity, and I think a lot of a lot of artists can say this, but it's one of those things that you recognize really early on in your life. And um, I, you know, as far as back as I can remember, I was always doing some sort of art artwork or something. But fortunately, you know, I I was raising a family that really embraced the arts and and just helped foster it. Um, my dad was. A draftsman part time, and both my grandfathers were meticulous carpenters. But my 
dad's dad was actually in the glass business and did stained glass. So, wow. um, you know, that all kind of goes back pretty far. And I, I, I admired them, you know, watched over their shoulders all my young life, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I guess it kind of all starts there. Did you ever create any stained glass yourself? No, I didn't. Um, I watched him do it and, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was really cool. Like I said, he was such a craftsman and you know you could when those, when you see people cutting glass and doing things like that I mean he could you know he could split a piece of glass and make it go just the way he wanted it to go and you know I I I worked a few times with him um on some projects you know but it was it was anything substantial and um but it, I I just didn't take that route I was more into you know, I, I like to build out of wood and things like that more um Mm-hmm. But but it was just it's one of those things. It was fun to watch him do it, you know. Right. Now, did you start drawing very young? I did. Um, you know, like I said, as far back as I can remember, I think I had a crayon in my hand or something. You know. <laughs> I think you, it, actually, it's funny even to this day. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into where where it all how how a painting starts to evolve, but. You know, it, it, you can't go to a restaurant or sit down anywhere and, without doodling on a napkin or something. You know? Uh huh. Well, Picasso did that too, and uh, those napkins <laughs> are worth ten grand now. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know that he used to write checks for small amounts because he knew that people would never cash him that his signature was worth more? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've I've heard all kind of stories, but yeah, he was he. It sounds like he was a piece of work for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, this style that you have now, did you transition into that from something else? Did you change styles as you went along? Not really. And Well, I, I take that back. I was doing more landscape early on. And um, I always kind of was going for somewhat realism. There's an artist that uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with. Um, he's here in Texas uh, by the name of Dalhart Winberg. And he grew, I mean, I guess he grew up not far from my own hometown of Victoria, Texas, and he pretty much lived in Victoria, and um, he was a, he was really big into print in the 70s and 80s, and just pretty much everybody had a, a Winberg print in their home, and um, his, I mean, he truly was just a masterful painter, still is today, and um, I mean, he's probably, I, he's uh, 80s now and um, not mm. painting as much but uh, you know I grew up looking at his work early on and and I remember there was a scene as this scene of Yellowstone um, and there's this little you know he always had some sort of little animal or something he did landscapes and still life but his landscapes really stood out to me he would always put like a little animal down in the corner or something you know hiding in the brush or mm. something like that and and it was it, it was very um detailed and somewhat lifelike and very romanticized as well and um i and I remember a few of those paintings just standing out to me um as far back as I can remember and um I really was trying to emulate his work early on when I first started painting and um especially his landscapes, just trying to pick up his technique. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was doing some coastal things. You know, uh, I kind of grew up down in South Texas on the coast and um, was really drawn to that uh, subject matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then then made the made made my way 
into doing more still life work later on. It's it's interesting because my um, both my grandpas one one grandfather was a um, more of a he liked the coast and the, my grandparents had a house down on the down on the water and one weekend we'd be down there and the other weekend we'd be um, back in the country where my other grandfather kept horses and and um, and we'd be out riding horses and hunting and things like that. So it was interesting. We had two kind of spectrums there. But I grew up with all this, these uh, these Western implements and saddles and things like that all around me that, that I just didn't really even take note of until I started um, thinking of – one day it just kind of clicked to maybe try painting some of that stuff, you know, and, and hmm. some of the – some of the the tack and stuff that um oh uh you know cowboy things and and um that's when I really started doing the still life work and and I liked it because I could I could really have a lot of control over the subject matter I could set things up in the way I want I could light them the way that I wanted to mm-hmm. and that's kind of where all that started so go I went basically from landscape into still life um and transitioned into that probably six years ago um, doing mostly all still life now. Well, do you ever consider your work trompe l'oeil? Not necessarily. I, I, I've always tried to paint in a way that it's almost more like you're recalling a memory rather than the object being right there in front of you. It's almost like you're, you're remembering something. It's like when you close your eyes and think of something that you're fond of, whether it's a, like an old guitar or a particular saddle or, or something like that. And um, and it's things are a little fuzzy in places, but some of the key details really kind of stand out, and and um, it's those details that I really want to to kind of bring to light, and and that but that's kind of the overall feel I'm trying to capture, rather than um, make it seem just too realistic. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess that's kind of my my thought on that. Yeah. Now, how long does it take you to from start to well, first of all. Uh, I really uh, enjoy your compositions, so that must take a while to figure out how to come up with that when you're when you're setting up a, a uh, something to paint. Um, how long from start to finish when you actually put brush to canvas does it take you to complete a painting? Once I start painting, I usually spend about two weeks on the actual painting part of the piece, and that's working. You know. Um, I work out of the house. It's hard to really keep track of my hours. I work when I can. I've got two little girls, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that definitely need their daddy's daddy's time too. So mm-hmm. I, um, it's just a balance there. But I, you know, for the most part, I spend about two weeks, and um, I probably work ten hours a day. Uh huh. You know, maybe more when it when the when it's uh, you know usually the as the 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 days fly by. The I have to spend more and more time during the day to catch up, you know. Oh, but, right, right. But that's that's usually how it goes. Now, do you ever do any commissioned work, or is it all your own? Uh, I, I do take on commissions, but really rarely. Um, I I usually let the galleries handle that for me. Um, so if, you know, if there's anyone interested in the commission, then the, you know they can go through the galleries and um, and link to them off my website. Mm-hmm. Tell uh, tell us uh, how how many galleries you're in. I noticed you're in what four or four or five. No, actually, what I um, I've, I've kind of become more exclusive now with two galleries. One is the Legacy Gallery, and they are they have two locations. Um, and I guess I guess you're right. In, in locations, I'm in three different locations. But um, mm-hmm. but the Legacy Gallery has two. One's in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the other gallery is in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and um, 
and that's owned by Brad and Ginger Richardson. And they've got a, a great reputation in the in our business, a long standing reputation and they're just great to work with. And then also I um I'm in the Southwest Gallery, which is located in Dallas, and they're one of the oldest galleries in the Dallas um area and they also have just an outstanding reputation and deal with a wide range of subject matter and um and I've been fortunate enough to, to link up with them and, and it's just been a good, really good partnership. That's great. You are in Coeur d'Alene's auction, and you're one of the very few uh, living artists that uh, get into their sales. How did that all come about? Well, I've, I've done the work. Every now and then I'll, um, if there's a show or something that comes about, and you know, I've, I've met several people just through throughout um, just other shows, and, and I've, I've met Stuart Johnson, who is the um, owner of Settlers West Gallery, and he invited me to be a part of a show several years ago that he was doing, and um, I put a put a piece in his show, and then he recommended that I that I think about the Coeur d'Alene, and and so um, that's how that came about. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, and, and it's really um, I, I feel really fortunate to be involved with that auction. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And and actually, I've got um, just let's see. Um, March 31st, I've got a piece coming up in the Scottsdale um, art auction. So I do two auctions, and that's the Coeur d'Alene and then the Scottsdale art auction. And um, and that will be, uh, yeah, like I said, that'll be uh, March 31st of this year. So hmm. Now, I spoke with an artist a while back. He's actually a friend of mine out in the San Francisco area, very well accomplished and represented by a gallery and the gallery would not allow him to put anything in auction. Has that ever been any type of friction from your No. Dad's? In fact, I've always been encouraged. And it, But you want to do it on a limited basis. And at the same time, it's interesting, too. It's always been kind of, um, you know, auctions are interesting because they allow the public to kind of keep a, um, you know, get a feel of what, you know, you it, it helps you as an artist, too, to see where, what the, what the public will bear and what, what, what the market would actually, you know, perceive your work as. It's a good it's a good measuring tool in my opinion. But at the same time, just because a piece may sell um really well at auction doesn't necessarily mean that that's where you want your price at all the time because that only represents one person, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's really interesting, but but I've always been encouraged to to do that. But but at the same time very um be really limited on how you do that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Now, do you have any I know I looked through your biography, and you had several one-man shows. Do you have anything like that coming up or any shows coming up in general? I do. In fact, I, I do um, a one-man show about every year. And this last one I just had in Dallas at the Southwest Gallery, um, we um, sold out. It was a great show. I had, wow. uh, I think, 15 pieces in the show. And then I've got another show coming up in September, which is going to be September the 7th. And that will uh, be in Jackson, uh, Wyoming, at the Legacy Gallery. And it's a great week um, weekend, too, because it's the kickoff for the Fall Arts Festival there, which is a really big um, big event. Um, if anybody that's ever been to Jackson, it's an awesome place to go and and then just to mix that in with the, their arts festival, it's just it's really a fun time. So great. Now I'm trying to picture your your home environment. 
And I'm seeing two little girls running around and a table all set up with, say, a saddle and spurs and things like that. <laughs> do you have, like, yeah. a separate cordoned-off area in your house? I, I do. They they are very respectful of Daddy's Corner, which is basically <laughs> what I've got, you know. But I, I do. I, I, everything's pretty intimate. I don't need uh, a whole lot of space. I kind of set up a corner with my still life set up in it, and then... My easel is off to the side, and then um, on the other side of the room, we've got my wife's computer desk, and then each of my girls have their own little uh, little desk to work at, and we even have a little easel for them to play play at too. So, but but yeah, to this day, no one's ever moved anything. And um, in fact, it's it, it what I do, and just to go through the process of of me painting a, a painting and. I'll, what I'll do is I'll set up, and, and usually I'll do this at nighttime, whenever it's quiet and, and um, the lighting, I, you know, it's all, everything's dark, and I can I can really control my light. I'll set up a, um, I'll set my uh, set up what I'm what it is I'm going to paint, and I'll do I'll take lots of photographs of it, especially if it's a floral of some kind, because um, the, it's always changing, and you know, over the time period it takes to paint it. Um, you know, it's, it, things move and change a lot. But what I'll do is I'll spend, you know, that first night really just photographing details and, and getting, you know, working out the composition, um, the placement of all the items. And then once I've got that all done, then I'll, I'll, I'll spend the next little bit sketching and get, get it all kind of um, – but even before that, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time kind of working it out how I want it to be composed, and that's when we're, when I say sketching on a napkin or whatever it may be, um, I've got a pretty good idea where I want to go with it. But then I'll, I'll get it all sketched out and drawn out over the next day or two, and, and that's where I try to spend the most time because the painting's only going to be as good as the drawing is, and, and um, that's that's the, really the key time when when you don't want anything to move and everybody needs to stay out of Daddy's room, you know. <laughs> but then after that, um, once I've got that done, then I personally will pick up things from the still life, hold it, and then try to then set it back in its place just to get you know looking at things closely as I'm painting it. But um, but that's kind of how it all works out. And and I but I but yeah, I'm I'm not off in a room by myself. I and. Um, my girls are in well. One we have one in kindergarten, the other one's in preschool. So, um, they but they but they've been very respectful of my things when I'm working, and they understand that not to go up and move things. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was an artist named Thomas Hart Benton. Have you uh-huh. ever? Yeah. And what he used to do is he used to make little models of people and actually hold them in his hand while he painted. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. you know, because it's. It's tough, with, you know, just to 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 see the contours and the and the shapes and the lighting. It's all, you know, it really comes down to the lighting. I mean, you know, people. It's always great when you can get your hands on on some, you know, especially some artifacts and and you know, I'm all, I like to paint the old the old guns and things, the old Winchesters and stuff like that. Yes. And, and you know, there's been so many times um, when people. If I can't get a hold of one, people said, "Oh, you're welcome to shoot all the photos you want." But you just, when you're painting realism, you've got to have it there. And I've I've made models of things, in you know, to where I've, I can just to get the shadow, because you don't know how a shadow is going to fall hmm. um, on something unless you have, you know, that's why it's tough to to paint landscapes and things for me because unless you have. Um, you know, it's, you can't always control that kind of stuff, and, and you almost do need to make a little diorama or something so that you can tell, you know, if your lighting's different than, say, a photo that you're working from, you've got to be able to see how the shadows 
um, cross over things, and, and um, I can see it really helps to make a model. Right. Now, I saw a, an image of yours that was a headdress, and I know, you know, legally you can't, you know, you can't own them unless you're uh, Native American. How right. did you, how were you able to uh, use that? Did that you... In that case there, the, the, um, I have a, a buddy of mine who well, I've met through another friend whose father was a collector, and he, he collected, um, he's, you go to his studio, he's also an artist, um, and he, he, you go to his studio, and he has a, all kinds of artifacts. And um, he had a war bonnet there, and I was able to use his war bonnet. And there, the feathers in, in that are imitation feathers. Oh, I see. But, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but, but actually that's where photos really come in you know, helpful to be able to, to then, um, you know, you get enough photos and resources online to be able to reference actual um, feathers, you know. But, um but that's that's where you know that's where I got the the, the bonnet from, and then um, use use just reference photos for the to paint the feathers. Yeah, which uh, very very nicely detailed. Now I, I did notice that you use a lot of antiques for props, which is kind of interesting, mm-hmm. and and very appealing to someone like me. Um, and so, how do you are those some of the pieces you own actually, or? Or do you just use your friend's uh, artifacts you were speaking about earlier? Well, it depends. Some some things are borrowed, and, and it's neat because um, it, little doors open up different places, and you meet people that, oh, you need to see this collection or whatever it is that they have. And, and um, so, you, you like I said before, when you have the opportunity to, to to get a hold of some pieces or people are willing to loan you some things, oh, it's, a, it's truly a, a great opportunity. But um, but for the most part, we go out and find things, and, and um, there's a, you know we'll make a run every, every once or twice a year and hit some of the antique shops and things. But for the most part, I'm, I kind of have always been drawn to the um, oh, especially when it comes to the the saddles and the spurs and things like that. I I like to kind of paint the everyman's kind of stuff. It's not not the real. Um, you know, I like the work in cowboy, the 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 things that that aren't super rare necessarily, but it's the things that people um, would have used. And but some some of those things are easy to get a hold of sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like, say, you have a show coming up? You know, you have a show coming up. Do you ever get like a writer's block on compositions? Not necessarily. In fact, we I've always got ideas kind of cranking around, um, you know, pinging around in my head and. You never know where they're going to come from. I mean, you know, you uh, whether it's flipping through a magazine or um, it's just your next ten thousand dollar idea could just be, you know, on the next page of a magazine or the next line you hear in a uh, movie or something. You never know. And and um, but but where it, where it all comes down to is is um, when we know when I know I've got something coming up. Um, my wife and I will usually we try to do a mandatory date night every week. So oh, that's um, we'll yeah. go out and and um, you know go to a restaurant, sit down, and start putting these ideas down on paper and kind of fleshing them out a little bit. And especially with the show, we think okay, you know, we're trying to make sure it's well rounded and and um, not too. That's another thing too, as far as my artwork goes. I, everything's a little different. I try not to paint too much of the same thing in each piece. I look at as a different a different piece. And I, I don't always revisit the same subject over and over. But anyway, we will we'll sit down and we'll put put ideas to paper, and um, and that's when you know I'll 
pull out my little notepad or reach over and grab a paper napkin or something and sketch on it and um, and just kind of formulate the ideas. And then once, uh, usually between my wife and I, um, we can we can pretty much visualize how how we want it to come about. And so I haven't had too much trouble with coming up with the composition um, so far. And usually I let the objects themselves that I'm going to paint kind of dictate the way they, you know, in my own opinion, how they look best, you know, laying on a table or how they naturally kind of want to fall if it's a, a blanket or something, you know, an Indian blanket or something. Yeah, which I, I can imagine would be very difficult to paint. I saw the one where you had a Navajo blanket or, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, Navajo rug or blanket folded, and I was thinking, wow, you know, all the little thread details and everything there. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's tricky because there's there's um there's a yeah it's the, that's when it you can't always work from a photo you've got to have the actual item on hand because the, there are there's so much pattern and it's textured and and that's something that I, that I didn't mention before that I really like to think about with my work is I just I really want people to have a feeling of the texture because um, that's mm-hmm. what to me personally speaks the most you know um, if it's metal you want that 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 kind of cold feel to it, and then if it's a you know if it's a if it's some sort of um, you know textile, you kind of want to have a feeling of what type of fabric it is, and, and that's that's something that I, I really strive for is just to create the textures um, on canvas so that you really have the feeling. In fact, um, I, a piece that I've got coming up at a show, I've got I painted some woolly chaps, so you can imagine mm-hmm. uh, you know the the old angora chaps, so the kind of cream color, and they're they're kind of matted, you know. So each and each one of the each one of the hairs on, you know, or, or tufts of wool, um, it's painted there, you know. It's and, and it's one of my favorite pieces to date that I've done, and I put a lot of time in that piece. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask you for a question was, do you have any favorite works? Are there are other ones that come to mind beside that one that you just that, think that of? war bonnet for sure is yeah. one of my favorite ones. It and yeah, it's the great. simplicity of it, you know. It's the simplicity mm-hmm. of it and. And just the lighting on it, you know, um, I, I almost imagine it inside of a teepee or something that um, the light casting down on it just right, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you spoke about lighting before. Do you, to get that type of lighting, do you have to use any special type of light bulbs or anything no, like that? No, I, I prefer an incandescent bulb. Really? Just a warm, yeah, low wattage, maybe around, you know, um, 25 watt or just a low wattage bulb because it, it just is a nice, warm Light. I just use a single light source, and then I'll, I'll often do a reflected. You know, I may hang something up to the other side of it to give a, to, you know, a, a reflected light on it, and and I change the color of that fabric because sometimes you want it to be a more of a warmer reflected light or a cooler. You know, you can change the lighting that way. But but when that's all part of setting up my composition, you know, and I'll in my little corner here, I'll hang, I'll have something propped up that bounces the light back on something. Yeah, that's great. Have you ever had a desire to do, let's say, a, a very difficult painting, I think, to do would be a horse. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever had someone request, like, a horse cowboy type painting? I've or, never really, they haven't really asked me to do one, but i but I got to be honest with you, I, I don't think I'd tackle it for the fact that, that um, when, if I'd have started down that path, Earlier on, um, at this point, I, I feel like I'm going to continue with the still life. I, I think mm-hmm. 
you you know it's you get a certain mastery of a certain subject matter and and animals are one thing you know muscle tone and you have to know so much right. about anatomy and and mm-hmm. um I, I i guess i've been fortunate enough to be in some um pretty uh, i guess prestigious shows of the Prita West for instance um in Oklahoma City which is at the National Cowboy Museum and and then the the Autry National National Center out in um Glendale out in LA area and and um those are two cowboy you know western shows and the and so my peers there are are just masters at painting horses <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know you know it's it's just one of those things that I look at that and I think of of just you've really got to understand your subject matter and um, right, uh-huh. and that's difficult. You know, it's it's it, it, one day I can't say one day I may not try that, but at the same time, it's so different than what I'm doing now. And um, you know, if, if right, I don't see myself doing that anytime uh-huh. soon, for sure. Yeah. Now I I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, but from a uh, midwestern art dealer told me that Remington used to have like the horse and cowboy actually run right at him. And he would he would uh, he would do a quick uh, study, a quick sketch, but mostly capture everything that he saw in his in his mind. Right, right. And, and yeah, you'd down. have to get the get the movement, and you'd get the lines. And I can see that. I mean, it's almost like flashbulb photography. I mean, if you mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things that you blink your eyes a couple of times, and you get these still frames in your head. But that just goes to show the you know you look at Remington and Russell and those guys. I mean, and the the primitive. You know, you know things they had to work from, and I mean, right? You know, and, and out and half of them they're out there, you know, fighting the cactus thorns and everything else, and and um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's amazing. It really is. I mean, it just um, you know, you, you just really take for granted some of the tools that are at our hands these days. Right. Know? Well, I always think of that when I think of these uh, uh, these amazing landscape painters that you know were plein air out there in the mm-hmm. mosquitoes and you know <laughs> getting yeah. covered with mosquitoes while they're they're trying to paint these wonderful, oh, yeah. wonderful yeah. paintings right right you know yeah, and here i am in my air-conditioned studio and <laughs> <laughs> whole different world for sure yeah now do you uh one thing i, I thought of when we we're talking about lighting earlier do you prefer to paint in the evening or does that make a difference i, I kind of keep my studio um kind of blocked out with light i i just I see. I, yeah yeah i i i do i paint under under lights because it just um it stays consistent for me that way and um and i i it really the hours um it, it just depends on when i get in here and get started um mm-hmm. the later i start the later i've usually got to work so right. um, yeah but no I, I i do i just i work under artificial light yeah do you listen to music um while you're painting Oh, I do. I listen to to just different music, but for the most part, um, podcasts. I, I just you know the amount of information out there, including your show, is just you know it's it's great to be able to get some insight into into you know it, it's interesting because you know podcasts are so much more intimate, and you can just sit and and listen. I, I all my visual attention's got to be on my painting, but fortunately, I can kind of multitask, and and my ears are free to listen. So. Um, there's just a, a, just a wealth of information out there on iTunes that it's great just to, to be able to sit and, and listen and um, and help kind of pass the hours as I'm painting. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm a I'm a painter. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I never say I'm an artist. I'm a, I call myself a painter. Mm-hmm. I I cannot do that. I can't have any distractions like that. That's just really? yeah. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, and maybe it's what you get used to because the 
um, I, I'm, I'm, my mind is there to absorb, but the minute I start talking, I, like I'll turn around <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I'm, my hands are flailing and I'm talking because I'm, you know, I can't, I can't, I just lose all concept of painting. But now I can sit there and listen. But as long as I'm not talking, if I'm talking, then then everything goes out the window. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, earlier I, I talked about Remington doing a, a study. Do you ever? I know you. You said it doesn't sound like you do studies. Do you? You sketch and that's it. They're real crude sketches that I can that I I can make it out pretty much. Um, sometimes I'll go back and reference something and I'll think, what was that? A saddle that I drew, or what what was that there? You know, <laughs> uh, bouquet of flowers. I can't really tell. It's more like I'm thinking of shapes in my mind and mm-hmm. kind of which direction I want my lighting to go. But I don't spend a lot of time on sketches. Sometimes I will just to try to think about what it is that I may want to include in in the actual uh, painting. But but for the most part, I like to get my hands on the items, and then I spend just a lot of time moving things around and setting things up and mm-hmm. pulling it down again. And what I do is I've got a little kind of viewfinder that I've made, just, just a black kind of um, – Oh, a little piece of plexiglass with some black tape around it. It has a little window in it, and I can hold it up and look to see kind of what my composition's looking like. And um, um, yep, I know exactly. Um, I had handled an estate that was belonged to this real famous artist once, mm-hmm. and I found this little contraption. I kept trying to figure out what it was, and it was exactly that. Right, you could, so you could frame of, it in. Okay, yeah, you could adjust it. Yeah. And so it's pretty crude. You can use your fingers too if you want to, you know. But um, but at the same time, it, that's and I, I kind of work my compositions out that way. Um, like I said, the mm-hmm. sketches that I make in the beginning are really crude, um, just little little ideas of, to think if something's going to work or not, or at least get me rolling on the right path, you know. Yeah. Now, did one question I probably should have asked in the very beginning: Did you ever have any formal training? I I guess really I picked up a paintbrush. I went to junior college and. Um, my little um, town in Victoria, Texas, went to Victoria College there and, and um, just had a great perf- um, uh, instructor who, his name was Mr. Shook. We, we, I'd, I'd spend extra time just going hanging out with him. He was just such a great guy. We'd, we'd just talk and, and um, he was just a good guy to be around. And we, um, and we, I, he was more than anything would just kind of really challenge me a lot. Um, Hmm. But but I guess more than anything, you taught me how to hold a paintbrush is really what it came down to. And then at that point, you know, like I said before, I was always drawn to Winberg's work, and I found out that, that Dalhart Winberg offered workshops. And at this point, you know, I was probably 20 years old, and I had been looking at his work since I was you know, back as far as I could remember. Went to took a workshop with him and actually – you know, the whole time I'm there, I couldn't believe I was in this, you know, working, working with him. Cause it, you know, at that point, there was no other artist on the planet except for Winberg that I that I really knew or even had admired like I did him. So it was it was pretty neat to be able to spend time working closely with him. But after that one workshop, um, I think he saw that I was serious or maybe had had a little bit of potential or something and and um, we got to be buddies i guess and he invited me on a few um trips to go out and photograph and and uh he he was really he did a lot of texas landscape scenes especially during the spring when the blue bonnets were blooming and mm. and um just just kind of more than anything just spending some time with him um at that point i was still doing landscapes and um you know just kind of just talking about technique and Things like that. We I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time um, working directly with him. There was a few times I went and we'd sit in his studio and he'd look at a painting I was working on and we'd make some changes and he'd show me something. 
but for the most part, I wouldn't say I was really formally trained. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it was just working on my own and trying to figure out, um, figure things out. Yep, yep. And I, I actually, I kind of, have, you know, in my opinion, that, you know, there's definitely the the idea of being an apprentice and and working under someone, but but I think the idea of figuring stuff out on your own, sometimes just looking if there's an artist that you're really interested in. You know, if you can see an original painting by that artist, a lot of times you can look at a painting and see sort of how it was painted. Um, you know, if, if it's just the application of paint, sometimes you can look at it and, and get a pretty good feel of it. But it's that process of figuring it out on your own that mm-hmm. oftentimes will help you develop your own style that sometimes you you have to unlearn when someone, you know, you, someone will teach you how they do it. Mm-hmm. And you can watch somebody paint, but all they can show you is how they do it, and you take that away. But then you're, you're, it kind of hinders you as far as trying to develop your own technique and style. Right. I've heard someone say one time, uh, actually my son is, is extremely good at drawing, mm-hmm. and he drew a picture of a hand or something, and an art instructor, I showed it to an art instructor, and she said, don't give him any training, you'll ruin him. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I, I can, you know, especially I, I think that it's one thing if they're, you know, especially for someone who, you know, just wants to maybe pursue it as a hobby or something like that, that if you can, you know, if you want to, if there's an artist that you particularly um, are fond of and you get the opportunity to spend time and, and anytime any artist can go into another artist studio and see the way they do their work, it's a, it's a really cool opportunity. But yeah, I think sometimes um, it is. It's just that it's finding it on your own, finding your own path. And in fact, Winberg told me that the further he and I, because at some point I was had a lot of his style in my paintings, and he told me the further you get from me, the better you're going to do. Wow. And I, and and he wasn't trying to tell me not to come back and work with him, <laughs> but he was just telling me that you know, because I was I was looking at his work, I was pursuing his path. You know, um, in in there, in some of his collectors were um, taking note of my of my me kind of being. You know, he was in his seventies at the time, and and I was obviously looked like the newcomer. I'm, you know, and so I think um, he, for my the rest of my career, I would have that his name attached to my name. Mm-hmm. And I think he was almost looking out for me as though if you really want to be your own person, you know, you're going to need to get away from me. You know. Mm-hmm. And then it was an encouraging thing. And, and at that point, I honestly took all of my, I would, I would, at one point I'd sit there and, you know, I'd be painting a picture and I would always reference his photos and, 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 you know, and you can't help but start to look like that other artist. And or right. I couldn't, at that point, I couldn't help but look like him. Right. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, it, it, um, it, so I honestly took and put all of the things away. And, and at that point I started to rely on my own senses to be able to, to work through those problems, and it was the best thing I ever did. Wow. wow and there's still cool. hints of that, you know, I mean, as far as my technique goes, and, you know, but I feel like that um, I've moved away from that enough that I don't think people identify me with his work anymore. Wow, that's interesting. Now, uh, we're just about out of time here, and I noticed that you won the Spirit of the West Award. Can you tell our listeners what that is? Yeah, in fact, um, that was at the Autry, um, the Masters of American West show, and um, as in Gene, does that have anything to do with yeah, Gene Autry? Yeah, it is. It's the Gene Autry Museum, mm-hmm. and that's in Glendale, California. And um, they, uh, I was 
I guess my third year at the show, and I mean, I'm and that that show. The first time I was ever there, I mean, I'm walking around. The artists that are part of that show, my jaw is hanging on the ground just looking at their work. I mean, Howard Turpening is in the show. There's Z.S. Lang. I mean, there's there's about 76 artists, and um, just really the, some of the best artists in you know, especially in the Western art realm that are working today and. The, this year, um, they chose my one of my paintings. Uh, it was a piece titled "Top Hand." It was a uh, cowboy hat and some spurs, and and I was awarded that award for the most outstanding in cowboy subject matter. And it's a western show. Um, I'm one of the only still lifes. There's um, two or three other still life artists, but uh, but it was a pretty pretty um, a major milestone for me. Definitely, that's great. That's great. Well, this has been really informative and uh, uh, really a pleasure to talk to you, Kyle. Thanks, Martin. I appreciate it. And like I said, keep those podcasts coming because <laughs> it's uh, they're they're great to listen to, especially in the wee hours when I'm trying to finish these paintings up, and meet these <laughs> deadlines. Because that's ultimately that's when uh, that the real awakening comes when the deadlines start to roll in and oh, yeah. um, you realize that you don't have all the, uh, all the time in the world to do these paintings. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is Martin with Kyle Polson and we're signing off. <laughs> <laughs>